Let's just stand our feet and praise the King of Kings this wonderful Resurrection Sunday morning. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God in this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of our King, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer. He's our great I Am, and we praise and glorify Him. Aren't you glad that He didn't stay in a tomb, but He walked out of the tomb? He didn't stay in the grave, but He walked out and defeated death, hell, in the grave. Oh, Saturday was silent, surely it was through. Since when is it possible to ever stop to you? Oh, Friday's disappointing, oh, Sunday's empty too. Since when is it possible to ever stop to you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Oh, this is the praise making dead man walk again. 
open the grave I'm coming out I'm gonna live, gonna live again This is the sound of dry bones rattling Pentecostal fire Stirring something new You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon Resurrection power Runs in my face too I believe there's another miracle here in this room Oh, this is the sound of tribos rattling Oh, this is the praise make a dead man walk again Open the grave, I'm coming out I'm gonna live, gonna live again This is the sound of tribos rattling Oh, this is the sound of tribos rattling And this is the praise make a dead man walk again Open the grave, I'm coming out I'm gonna live, gonna live again This is the sound of dry bones rattling Oh, Pentecostal fire, let's sing it out Drive on. 
the sound. And I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound.
fallen away from you, Lord. We've wronged, Lord. We've messed up, good God. You stand there with open arms, ready to welcome us back in because of the sacrifice that your son made on that cross that day. And we're so grateful, Lord, that it didn't end that way, right? It didn't end with a death on a cross. It didn't end with a great sacrifice, but it ended in resurrection. And actually the story is still happening because he's alive, amen? He's alive, he's risen, he's here in the house today. Jesus, the King of glory, the King on high, the name above all names, Jesus Messiah, my hope, my redeemer, my savior is alive and he's here today, amen? Sing it out, your holy blood. Your holy 
Couldn't hold you down there. Couldn't steal your crown There's resurrection Jesus' name, Jesus' name and death couldn't hold you down here, couldn't steal your crown. There's resurrection power in your name, in your name. Let all the earth cry out, lift up a holy sound, give all the glory now. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Crucified 
crucify. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ. Oh, your name, your name, your name. Is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Sing it again.
glory and all praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Oh, your name, your name. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King.
Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus The name of Jesus Oh Jesus The name of Jesus Sing his name, sing his name
against and against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus The name of Jesus The name of Jesus is the light that causes darkness to tremble and to flee. And on this resurrection day, we're going to receive communion together in celebration of the resurrection. I said in celebration of the resurrection. Because my friends, if there was no resurrection, we would not be doing this. In fact, if there was no resurrection, we would not be here. It's because he lives that we can celebrate the resurrection. We can celebrate his working in us. We can celebrate this, which is often called the Last Supper, but we recognize it as the Lord's Supper, the communion of the saints together. And so the ushers are passing out the elements at this time and we do not we do not uh, have a closed communion some churches do that where you have to be a member of that church you just simply have to be a member of the church the body of Christ you have to be born again by the Spirit of God you have to recognize that Jesus Christ is your Savior and if that's the case, then you can participate in the communion service this morning. But the Bible says that before we do this, that one of the things we should take a moment to do is to examine our hearts. To make sure that we're doing it in pure heart and motive before God. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, because some of you take of this supper, of this this, these elements in an impure way. He said, some of you are sick. So let's just take a moment and ask God to search our hearts. And if there's anything there, just right now, ask Jesus to forgive and to cleanse and purify. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming into this place. We thank you that we have been able to worship and sing and lift our hands and clap and run and shout because Jesus is not in the grave. The tomb is empty. And we come to this place today to celebrate that. And I can't think of a more proper way of doing that than to receive communion together. Has everybody been served that wants to be served? You should have two cups. The bottom cup has the bread in it. Top one has the juice. 
I want to read from Scripture this morning from the book of Luke. It says, When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the, the apostles with him, and he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and afterwards gave thanks. But let's stop with that. He, talk, he talked about the loaf of the bread, and he says, I give this to you, it is broken. He said, and give, giving thanks, he said, I give it to you, do this in remembrance of me. When we all have different reasons or thoughts when it comes to receiving communion, but the bread reminds me of his broken body. Not that was taken from him, but that he willfully gave that you and I, our brokenness might be made whole. So when we take this bread, we do it in remembrance of the price that he paid. He even asked his father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me. In other words, this death, please let it be so. But if not, your will be done. How many of you are thankful that Jesus went to the cross willfully and laid down his life for us so we take this bread this morning and we say jesus thank you for your broken body for through your brokenness we are made whole and we take it now in remembrance of the price that you paid on the cross amen you can take the bread And then it says, concerning the cup. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In another place, he speaks of the fact, he said, I will not drink of this fruit until I do it with you in my father's house. While the bread reminds me of his past, the past, the brokenness of his body, the cup reminds me that there's a day coming when we will be in his father's house and we will take this cup as one, one body, one family. And the Lord says, I will do it with you. So this to me is forward lurking. It reminds me there is a day coming soon. And because of the resurrection, we have this sure hope. He came out of the grave and he will call our names one day. And whether we're in the grave or whether we're alive, those of us in Christ will be brought with him and we will take this cup together in his father's house. Lord, we take this cup this morning in remembrance of what you have done, but also in remembering that your promise is sure. You said, for where I am, I will come that you may be there also. We take this cup looking forward to the day when all of the saints will hold the cup together with you and celebrate 
what you have done for us. Amen. Amen. You can take the cup. The ushers, pass those to the center if you would. The aisles, the ushers will come and collect those cups. Hallelujah. Can you just say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord for his goodness and his grace. His mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just turn and greet someone this morning, this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, worship team. One of the things that uh, we do here at Life Church is we believe in prayer. I said, how many of you believe in prayer? How many of you believe that when you pray, God hears and God answers? See, a lot of people pray thinking God hears, but they don't believe that God answers. I'm telling you, God answers prayer. And oftentimes we have two or three different topics that we pray about as a, as a congregation. But this morning, I have one that I would like us to take a moment and pray together. We have a team that is leaving at 4.30 tomorrow morning, headed to Mexico. And they're going, a number of young people and adults, and they'll be going into Mexico for a week. And they'll be sharing this good news of the gospel They'll be ministering to children. They'll be ministering to adults. And they're going to go in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. But I think it's important that we, as a, as a sending church, we pray over them or pray for them. Many of them are upstairs. Are, how many are, are in this room right here that are going? Would you just stand? All right, there's one, two, three, four in the sound booth. There, there, there's, I think there's 14 in all that are going. And, um, and we want to pray for them. We want to pray God's traveling mercy, his protection upon them, that when they cross over the border, there'll be no issues, no problems, no vehicle problems. Uh, we've done everything we can do on this end, but how many of you know things happen? But God will be there. I just believe that God has divinely ordained their trip. And that there are going to be things that will not even be made known until we stand before God. But we want to undergird them with prayer. So can we take a moment and pray together right now for each one of them? Father, we come before you and we thank you that, Lord, we send this team out. That is the word that you did. You gave the disciples when you ascended into heaven. Go in my name. So, Father, they are going in your name, in the name of Jesus, your son. And we pray that they would be empowered by the Spirit of God, that their works, their words, their actions, 
would be light in darkness, life to those who are spiritually dead. Father, we pray for angels of protection around each and every one, around their vehicles. Give them favor with those in places, Lord God, that they need favor, that when they come back, the testimonies that we hear will be bring glory to your name and glory to your church that you are building. God, it's like we're sowing a seed in this part of the world. You take it now and bring it to life and multiply it that the gospel of Christ and his name would be multiplied in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, we welcome you this morning, and we're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're here for the very first time, or, you know, I had someone text me the other day, said, I, I was there that Sunday, but I've, it's been years since I've been, so I didn't send a text because I've been there once before. So if this is your first time here, or if it's been a long time, and you decide what a long time is, <laughs> but since you've been here, if you would just text welcome to 337-317-4123, you will get an automatic, automated response. We'll come back to you. And look, it's not just a machine back there. We, t we get this information and we use it to connect with you. We want to connect with you. That is so important, okay? And then if you're here and you come on a regular basis or semi-regular basis, we want to know that you're here with us. Ben, good to see you this morning, brother. Amen. I just saw you. My eyes focused that way. And I saw, look, when a man can do this with his hair... A man like me notices it. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, but if we, we want to know that you're here this morning. We want to connect with you. And so just type the word connect to the same number that's up on the screen. That way we know that you're here on this resurrection day. And then if you need prayer, we have people who pray. Let me tell you what, boy, the prayer team... And prayer ministry team have been blowing it up the last couple of weeks. We've had prayer requests upon prayer requests upon prayer requests. Man, I was so thrilled last night when we got the report on Brother Andrew and, and, and what the doctors had previously thought was going to happen. Man, we had warriors going to the throne. And then the word comes back that he was doing better. Dialysis was not needed uh, at that time, that his heart was doing better. And yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you, look, when the doctors come in and tell you, you know, I mean, you're facing literally death, and then God just intervenes through prayers. Don't tell me prayer doesn't work, but if you have a prayer need, you can t you type the word pray to the same number, and you and, and, tell, and you'll get a response and tell us what the need is, and that goes out to people who are serious about prayer who are seriously going to join with you in prayer. Listen, we will pray with you. We will not pray for you. You have to pray too, but we'll join with you and pray, okay? Um, 
and then just two other real quick announcements, and that is that uh, it was announced last week that we'll have an altar ministry team training on the 22nd. We're having to move that to the 29th, just one week, because of a conflict in schedule, but that's plenty of room down, down the way to let you know ahead of time. It's not like we're springing that on you at the last minute. And then I just want to remind any men who might be interested that next Saturday here at the church from 8 to 3, I know you say 8 to 3, what are they doing for 8 to 3? We're actually going to begin a series of, of uh, classes on, on, on barbecue. And I've had several meet who men ask me, how, how do you cook barbecue? How do I make, how do I do that? My, I've had... I've had wives come and ask me, would you teach my husband how to do barbecue? And uh, so we're going we're gonna to do uh, two things next week. And then next month, if we have time, we'll, we'll do another two different kinds of meat. After that, we'll do some other things. It'll be a good time of fellowship, but you know what? It'll be a good time to you to reach out to somebody, another guy who maybe doesn't come to church or is been in church, out of church, whatever, and just, hey, we're having fellowship, we want to learn how to cook, we're just calling it Barbecue 101, and um, we're going to teach you some things, we'll have some giveaways and things like that, and yes, you will get to eat. Now, there's a small cost, $15, and uh, because there's meat that has to be bought, you know, and I don't know if you've purchased meat lately, but it's not cheap. And, uh, but uh, we're going to show you some ways to maybe stretch it out and do some other things. So anyway, that, enough with that. There's a bunch of other announcements, and, and you can go out there. The first weekend in May is our family fun day. Pray for good weather now and that, so that we don't have to postpone it. And it's, that's going to be a great day, so mark that down. That'll be a day to bring a friend also, okay? Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to thank you for your financial giving. There are four different ways to give. There are boxes on the back wall. We don't pass a basket unless it's a special offering or something like that. We have an app that you can use. There's a text to give feature. And there's also you can give on the website. So we thank you for that. Amen. Hallelujah. The message this morning is simply the miracle of the resurrection. The miracle of the resurrection. When Jesus was alive and walking on earth, he's still alive, but I wanted to make sure you understood when he was walking on earth, he performed many miracles during his earthly ministry. In fact, one of the gospels says that if everything that Jesus did was written down, that the world could not contain all the books. Think about that. There are many things that Jesus did that we don't even have record of. But it's the things that we do have record of that we're focusing in on this morning. He did many miracles when he was on the earth, and he continues, he did and continues to do many miracles from heaven through his church, according to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 3 and 16, we read about the lame man by the gate beautiful. He was healed by the power of Jesus' name. In Acts 9 and 40, we read about Peter who raised Dorcas from the dead. In Acts 20, verse 10 and 11, Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. Other miracles took place in connection with Christ coming to this earth and then leaving 
the earth. In Matthew chapter 1 and John chapter 1, we have the incarnation of Christ. The Bible says that the word of God became flesh. That's what the word incarnation means. He, that God became flesh. And he did so through the virgin birth. And that was a great miracle. In Acts chapter 1, there was the bodily ascension of Jesus into heaven. He was standing on the hillside speaking to 500 people. And as he spoke to them and said, I'm getting ready to leave, but don't leave until you be endued with power. And then suddenly his body went up into the sky. And in case you think that was normal, it wasn't because the, an angel appeared and said, men of Galilee, why are you looking up here? I don't know about you, but I picture that. I, I, those people down there were, were like, you know, in, in today's vernacular, I can almost hear the angel go, close your mouth. <laughs> what you get your mouth open for? He said, oh, he just went up that way. And the angel said, this same Jesus will appear in like manner. He, he went up. He's coming back again. It's one of the reasons that we run that on the sign almost constantly. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Because I don't want anybody to stand before God and say, nobody told me Jesus was coming again. I want them to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. So there's a lot of miracles that we could focus on, but the one miracle that I really want to is the pivotal miracle of all miracles, and that is the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the miracle to which all the other miracles point. All the miracles of the past, all the miracles of Jesus' life, all the miracles after he ascended to heaven, they all point back to the miracle of Jesus' resurrection. So there's a couple of questions we need to ask. And one is that what was the necessity? Why was it necessary for the bodily resurrection of Jesus? Miracles were great evidences that God sent Jesus, that God the Father sent Jesus. Nicodemus was a religious leader in the days of Jesus. He came to Jesus privately. He was, he was on the Jewish council of elders and he's, he even said in John chapter 3, verse 2, he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs, these miracles, these healings that you do unless God is with him. And what the Jewish leaders didn't understand was that Jesus was more than a good teacher who did miracles. He was the Messiah that they were preaching that the Jews should be looking for. But he was a Messiah that they weren't looking for because they were looking for a Messiah that would deliver them from the tyranny of the boot of Rome. But he came as a Messiah to save sinners that were under the penalty of eternal death because of their sins. And here's something you, we need to all consider. And that is this, that if Christ had only come and if he had done a few miracles, he'd healed a few people, he'd cast a few demons out but, and set a few people free. But if that's all he had done, then the gospel would be no gospel. 
The word gospel means good news. That would, if all he did was that, that would not be good news because it would be limited in its scope. It would be limited in what he did. But as the glorious miracles of Christ and his ministry were, none of them comes close to the, to the miracle on which the church stands. The very thing that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world is an empty tomb. It is the one thing. It is, it is the very crux of, of the belief and argument to believe in Jesus Christ because the tomb is empty. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament foretold of the healing of the blind and, and the lame. In Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, he says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame man shall leap as a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. He was prophesied that Jesus would come, a Messiah would come to do this. King David prophesied in Psalm 16, of the resurrection, he said, For you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one decay. He understood that. He understood to his understanding, his knowledge, his ability to, to wrap his head around it, that God somehow would raise him up and his own son, his own faithful one, would be raised up, would not be decayed. This meant it was necessary not only for Christ to heal the sick and raise the dead, it was necessary that he be raised from the dead. Why? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 and 18, and if Christ has been, not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have died in Christ are also lost. It was necessary that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus be raised again to life. We can pinpoint the huge difference between the miracles that Jesus performed in, the, in his ministry and the miracle of his own bodily resurrection because it marked a victory over sin in the grave. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, it talks about this. First of all, Christ's ministry miracles were signs to show that Christ was approved, but, it, but it, the, his resurrection was a sign to, that, for us to understand that God accepted his own son. He accepted the price that he paid, and he raised him from the dead. Acts chapter 22 and 22 tells us this. He, he, he reminds us of this. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 19, it says, Without the resurrection, we are all men most miserable. We are men, we're, we're miserable because we have no savior. We have no salvation. We have no hope for our future. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul unpacks for us, if I can put it that way, the necessity and the beauty and the glory of the, erection, of the resurrection. He goes like this, he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, Christ was raised first that there might be others. How many of you realize you can't have second fruits without first fruits? Right? He was the first. In fact, the Bible says in the moment when he said, it is finished, 
and he hung his head and he died, there was an earthquake and the Bible says that the veil of the temple was ripped in two. But not only that, it says graves opened up all over Jerusalem. But it tells us later that no one came out of those graves until after Jesus Christ came out of the grave. Why? Because he is the first fruits of the resurrected. He was the first, and then they could come forth. Why did God do that? Well, we read in the scriptures that the Roman soldiers went and told what had happened, and the, the Jewish priests realized this was going to be, they're going to say his, his uh, disciples have come and stolen his body, and we're going to have a worse problem on our hands. We thought this was finished, so they paid them off to say that the disciples stole his body. It's, it's a rumor. Don't worry about it. Well, it's kind of hard to deny the resurrection of Christ when, when your uncle Hyman, who's been dead for 50 years, comes and knocks on your door. You know, Uncle Joe's at the, Uncle Joe, what are you doing here? You're dead. No, I'm alive. And he's come, you know, it's hard to deny the rumors. I mean, it's not hard to deny the rumors when there's a, a living person who was once dead standing at your door. I'm just telling you, those miracles and all the miracles were a picture of a redemptive message by God that could not have come without the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The place of the resurrection, the necessity of the resurrection is one thing, but the place, the miracles of Jesus, go back and read them. I've been listening to them for three or four weeks just over and over and over again. They took place in so many different places. They, in synagogues, in houses, on the sea, in crowds, on a hillside. In, in one miracle, it took place as a young man was being carried to the grave. Imagine a funeral. Basically, a hand-carried hearse taking a body to a grave, and Jesus stops it and raises him up right then and there. Another miracle we know that we're, we're familiar with is Lazarus. Remember, he had been dead for four days, and he was in the tomb, and the big rock was in front of it, and Jesus shows up, and Mary and Martha tell Jesus, if you'd come when we had sent for you, our brother would not be dead. And Jesus made a statement to him, he who believes in me shall not die, but shall have everlasting life. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? And they said, yes, Lord. And we know what happens. Jesus goes up to the tomb. And, and the Bible says he, he stands outside the grave. Now remember, they made him, he made them roll the stone away, that large rock. But he's standing outside the grave. And he calls to a man inside the grave. And he comes forth. But on Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate the bodily resurrection of Christ, this miracle, this miracle we celebrate today, took place not outside the grave, but inside the tomb. Because it's with the stone that was rolled away in front of it. Let that think in a minute. The tomb or grave, think about this. It, it dawned on me this week. I really never thought about it this way. I used to pastor a church that had like a five-acre cemetery right next to it where the saints in, in the community and in the church, they were, they were, you know, tombstones everywhere out there. They marked the graves of people who had been buried there. 
And, and this week I realized that a tombstone or a grave marker is a monument to the power of death. Now listen to, listen, listen, think this through with me. It's a monument of the power of death because death was introduced into the world by the sin of Adam. So every time we see a tombstone or we see a grave marker or a mausoleum or whatever it may be, it is a reminder of the power of death. But that's not where it stops because apart from the truth of God's redeeming grace, Every gravestone in every cemetery is a victory marker for death because of sin. In fact, by itself, the tomb of Jesus would have been just that. In other words, if the, the stone had not been rolled away and Christ had not been resurrected, it too would have been a marker that would mark the victory of death over the human race. But because Jesus was raised from the dead, he, that stone was rolled away. That is not what that marker means anymore. I can pass a cemetery and I can look at a gravestone and I might say, one day my name might be on one. I don't know. But I can tell you this, that grave cannot hold me. That tomb is not a marker of death over me. It's simply a reminder of a life that was once marked for death, but that it was liberated by the name of Jesus and by his resurrection over the dead. Think about it. In fact, in fact, remember after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus, that Jesus comes along and in a manner that they don't recognize. And he's talking to these men and they're, they're talking about the events of the past several days. He says, what are you talking about? And he says, where have you been? Haven't you heard? And they go through the whole story about how Jesus, they followed him for three years and they believed him to be the one that was going to be, the, that was the Messiah, the miracles they had done, all of those things. He said, but then they tell him what happened. He was crucified. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was betrayed by his own people. He was stripped. He was hung on a cross. He was nailed there. He died. He was put in a tomb. They put a stone in front and and the bible says that they had trusted him that it had been, that he would be the one that would have redeemed israel in other words they're in a place of doom and gloom because they said we had trusted that he was the one but obviously we were wrong and the bible says then jesus began to unveil the scriptures. He began to unpack it for them to help them understand that the Messiah was not one who was going to liberate them from Rome, but was going to liberate them from the power of sin and the grave. And then when he did that, he disappeared. And they looked at one another and said, didn't our hearts burn as he spoke to us? And they ran and told the other disciples what had taken place see apart from the resurrection gospel the grief of all who would ever live would have seen their hope die with jesus if there was no resurrection consider this other than the fig tree remember where jesus cursed the fig tree and it says they came back the next day and it was shriveled up by the roots think about this 
every miracle other than that, every miracle that Jesus Christ did reversed some aspect of the curse that came about by the sin of Adam. Leprosy, blindness, hunger, storms, injury, death, each of the miracles that Jesus Christ did brought restoration or blessing to a situation of need to profound happiness through the situation of the resurrection. Jairus' family, remember he comes and he, he says, my daughter is dying. And Jesus comes and raises her from the dead. If, if, if Jesus had, if, if the name of Jesus didn't have the power and didn't have the authority, then he would be mourning his daughter. But instead, his mourning was turned into dancing. The widow of Nain could celebrate instead of mourn because her son was given back. Instead of missing Lazarus, Mary and Martha could now embrace Lazarus. In each case, Jesus miraculously enacted a reversal of the curse that was brought about by Adam's sin against God. And in every single case, Christ himself defeated it. Why? Because Christ himself died and then was resurrected. The disciples and the women who are in the resurrection accounts, they revealed to us the gloom and despair. Remember the women came, came to the tomb. They were going to anoint the body with oil. Then they find that the tomb is open and he's not there. And they're concerned. They're, they're, they're like, where is he at? And Jesus appears to them. And again, they don't recognize him. And they think he's the gardener. And they said, would you tell us where they've moved his body, please, that we can anoint him? And what does Jesus say? He said, it is I. And suddenly their eyes are opened and their gloom and doom is completely gone because he's alive. I said, he's alive. He's alive. The gloom and doom. Listen, I've talked to several people this week and all the things that are happening in the world and they're like, boy, it's just, I don't know where everything's going. I can tell you where everything's going. I can tell you where I'm going because of the resurrection. I know. I said, I know. Can anybody say I know? I mean, I know, I know that I know that I know that one day I'm going to be with him, whether it's through death and the resurrection or through the rapture and the translation of his body, I have that hope because he is alive. The agent of the resurrection, the, the thing that causes it. If you've ever stopped to think about that, no one witnessed the actual moment of the resurrection of Jesus. No one witnessed it. Now in today's courts, what do they look for? Eyewitness. They look for an eyewitness. You know, I saw it. But nobody saw the actual resurrection of Jesus. But what you can't find are multiple accounts of the effects of his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 and 6 tells us that more than 500 people witnessed the effect and the risen Lord himself. 
So have you ever stopped to think who raised Christ from the dead? I, I had a, I had a, Brother Josh, I had an epiphany this week for me personally on this. Because I've always, I've looked at the scripture. In fact, you know, there was an angel sitting there by the tomb. And I've heard people say, well, an angel came and raised him up. No, an angel came to roll the stone away. See, Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away so he could get out. The stone needed to be rolled away so the people could get in. In fact, the angel says, look inside. He is not here, for he has risen. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. He, does, he, he didn't need that. But the women needed to see so they could run and tell the disciples. And Peter and John had a race. Peter was in the lead, but John says he took over the race. John got there first, but John just stood at the door afraid to go in. Peter just said, move aside, bud, and he pushed on in. And then John went in. Go read it. They raced to the tomb. I'm like, what's good is the race if you stop at the finish line? <laughs> you know, and Peter's getting there. <laughs> is he in there? I hadn't gone in. Move. <clears throat> no, he went in. And he went and looked, and then John looked, and they went and saw that the tomb was empty. So who raised Christ from the dead? I looked through the scriptures. And did you know that all three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, had a part in the resurrection? Romans 6 and 4 says, Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Holy Spirit was also involved in the resurrection. Both Peter and Paul tell us that it was by the power of the Spirit. Romans 8, 11, 1 Peter 3, 18. But we also know from the New Testament that Christ was not passive in his resurrection. The Bible says he arose. In fact, I want to play this video right now. Make sure we got some Just this. Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus, my Lord. From the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph on his foes. He arose, a victim from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints. Now, why is that so important? Yeah, go ahead. Give him a hand clap. See, we, we, we have this idea in our mind that Jesus is just laying there dead. And then the spirit goes, and he comes to life. But Jesus, his body was dead, but he, his spirit and soul were still alive. They were not passive for three days. They didn't just lay there and go, I can't do anything till the, till the Father lets me get up. The Bible said he descended into the depths of hell. 
He put his foot on the neck of the devil himself and took away the keys of death, hell, and the grave, my friends. He led captivity captive, those who could not enter into heaven because the blood had not been shed. He led them into the presence of the Father. Jesus just didn't lay there for three days waiting for something to happen. He was not passive. My friends, he was proactive. He was moving, and he was doing, I'm telling you, Death could not hold him. We sang it earlier. He broke the bonds and lives with the power of his endless life. He told the disciples in advance that he would arise. In fact, Jesus emphatically emphasized his part in his own resurrection. This is the part that came true to me. Brother Tiger, this past week, this just jumped off at me. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. He says, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says, the reason my father loves me. Isn't it good to know that your father loves you? The reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my accord. I have authority. Say that with me. I have authority. Who is saying this? Jesus. I have authority to lay down, lay it down, and authority to take it up again. See, he didn't just lay there, can't do nothing till somebody says something. He laid down his life, and he took it up again. He arose. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God was there. The Word, the Father was present, but Christ arose. And Jesus Christ appears more glorious in the miracle of his resurrection than in any other miracle before or after. See, in the previous miracles, he touched death. He touched disease and those whose lives were ravished by devils and turned back the curse in a splendid way of power, the showing of power. But on the cross, he tasted death and he entered its very domain. And he laid down his life in order that he might take it up again as the second Adam and as the head of the church. In the previous miracles, he turned back devils and disease and death. But in the miracle of his resurrection, he himself entered the dominion of death and he plundered it. That's what the scripture says. In Colossians, he talks about the very fact. He said that he brought forth he brought forth the enemy in chains. He brought them forth. He brought them out. He plundered the kingdom of darkness. And he went in and said, it is mine. He took it away. He took away the fear of death. He took away the power of death. He took all of that away. He proved to be the victor over demons, disease, and death. And through his resurrection, his resurrection, not the miracles that he had done prior, not the miracles he did after, but through his resurrection, he secured the foundation of the redemptive message of those miracles. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Would you say that with me? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
And that brings me to the fruit of Jesus' resurrection. The fruit of it. In other words, the, the effects of it. The miracle of the resurrection brings many blessings to his church and people everywhere that choose to believe in him. They choose to do so. Modern day religion, Christianity would say, God is the God of love and no one goes to hell. No one will be punished for their sins because God loves and love will not allow anyone to be damned for all eternity. Did you know that's being preached from pulpits in America today? And it's being accepted? They said Christ forgave, and when he forgave, he forgave all sin. Doesn't matter whether you've accepted him or not, he forgave that sin. Let me tell you what, when Christ died and he was raised again, yes, he has the power to forgive sin, but he does not forgive unless you ask for forgiveness. Unless you repent, I'm telling you, we have to understand something, that when Christ was raised from the dead, it drove away despair, and it brings hope to all believers. It gives purpose for life and expectation for eternity. You know, people are killing themselves today because they say there's no purpose in this life. There's no purpose, but the, if they could only know how much Jesus loves them and that how he has a purpose, he's designed them, destined them with a purpose, not only just in this life, but for all eternity. It affords the church a message of good news. We need to get back to the basics. Jesus came, he lived he died, he paid the price, but he rose from the grave that we might have hope and you might have hope. He is the good news. Your life can have a fresh start, a new beginning. Jesus loves you so much that he wants to give you newness of life. Oh, we, 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 we got churches filled today and they'd rather have hear messages about seven steps to happiness and, or, you know, I'm not even going to go there. The good news is Christ arose. He is alive. The tomb is empty. And that's not the end. It's because he's arrived, because the tomb is empty, because he arose. You can have purpose. There is hope for you now and your future and for all eternity. Man, let's get back to preaching Jesus. Let's get back to talking about Jesus. It not only gives us a a message of hope for now and the future. It provides a living Lord in heaven, the Bible says, who is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. It secures the Holy Spirit who applies the benefits of the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but don't leave until the one who has been promised by the Father comes and he will lead and guide you and direct you in all truth concerning me and he will empower you to go and give this gospel, this good news to the nations of the earth. It gives us comfort also when facing death, whether it's a loved one, 
or even our own. We do not have to fear death. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let me sum it up with these three things real quick. The first one is this. Jesus has purchased a righteousness that can stand before the tribunal of God. Now that may sound real theological or something like that. I didn't mean it to be that way. Simply what I'm saying is that by his suffering and his death on the cross, he took the curse of sin. He paid the price of sin. And he satisfied the justice of God for all sinners. Old children's song, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Romans 4 and 25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. In other words, so that when we stand before a holy God, we will not stand unholy, but we will stand in his righteousness. That his blood has cleansed. It has not covered, it cleansed. It purged all our sin away. And when we stand before God, having accepted the work of his son on the cross and through the resurrection, that when God the Father looks at us, he no longer sees us in our sinful state, but he sees us in righteousness because his son paid the price for our sins. Can you say amen for that? The second thing is that by his resurrection, Jesus raises spiritually dead sinners to newness of life. Because of Adam's sin against God, we are all not only guilty before God, but the Bible says we are dead in our sins. We are spiritually dead. See, this, the Jews were looking for a Messiah that was going to redeem them, to, to, to liberate them from Rome. Well, what Jesus came to do, he was a suffering Messiah because he came to liberate them from a tyranny that was much greater than Rome. It was death itself and the curse of Adam's sin. He came to liberate us. We need to be reborn through the power of Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And it's only through his resurrection that we can have newness of life and live it every day. Listen, when Christ comes in your life, he's there fresh and new every day. 
Do not allow your walk with Christ to become old and stale. It's fresh and new every day. He arose so that you may live in newness of life. And the third thing is this, that by his resurrection, Jesus has passed through death for his people. This, this one ought to make you shout, okay? Not only because it's near the end. Thought I'd get an amen on that one. They said, well, the, you, know, you know how preachers are. They always say, and in closing, and then they never close. <laughs> but this one here, man, this one really, I, I saw this in a different way than I've ever seen it before. Because for those people who come to Christ and they surrender their lives to follow him, listen, death can no longer hold them. Yes. But look at this. Instead of being the end, instead of it being the penalty of sin, instead of it being the finality, instead of it being a marker of victory over our life, death is no longer that. Because Christ went, died and was raised again, his resurrection makes death simply a passageway into life eternal. It's not the dead end at the end of the road. It's not the final resting place. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. When I take my last breath, when you take your last breath, my friend, you will step across that threshold into the very presence of God. And death is no longer a penalty. It's no longer something to fear. It is the passageway. It's the hallway. It's the doorway into the eternal before Jesus Christ himself for those who reject Jesus as Savior and Lord because he rose from the grave he has obtained the right listen to me he's obtained the right to open all graves on the final day of human history and the scripture says they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So I want to ask you something. Have you experienced the power of this greatest of all miracles in your life? Have you, have you experienced it? If not, I would say to you, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to repent of your sin. That means not just be sorry about them. It means to have a change of thinking about them. God says your sins will stand in judgment against you. They will condemn you. When God says in that day he will open the books and whosoever's name is found written in those books will be judged by the things that are in there. But those who have come to Christ, their name is blotted out from those, that book of all those things. And instead our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And whoever's name is in that book shall not face judgment, will but experience what has already happened. In fact, the Bible says the moment we accept Christ, we pass from judgment into life. And if you're a believer, a Christ follower, you should be living as one who's passed from judgment to life. 
Can you imagine standing before a judge knowing that you're, you're going to be condemned and he opens the book and reads your name and says, pardoned, boom. And you walk out free, completely cleared of all charges. What would you do? How would you live? How, what, what would you say? And who would you say it to? I guarantee you, you'd stop anybody, anywhere, anytime and grab them and say, you've got to hear what God did for me. I'm just telling you, we need to live that way. But if we have not accepted Christ, then we need to realize that it's through the miracle of his crucifixion, the miracle of his resurrection, that you have the choice to live for all eternity, to have your sins completely washed away. You will be, I'm telling you, God, when Jesus comes into your life, he will change everything about you. Oh, yes, you say, well, will, will there still be temptation? Yes. Will there be, still be difficulties in life? Yes. Will there, will there be uh, moments where, where I feel like I'm wrestling back and forth? Anybody ever feel that way? Like, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I'm the oldest seven kids in my family, and at Thanksgiving time, we'd always wrestle over the wishbone. You know, and I'd always say, I'm the oldest, I get to do it. You know, and I'd look at my little brothers and sisters and they'd go, let them do it, you know. But my mama would say, it's got to dry out first. And I remember one time, I said, mama, we ain't got no time for it to dry out. We want to do it now. You ever try to pull a wishbone that won't, won't pull? I mean, it just bends and does all that kind of stuff, you know, because it hadn't dried out yet, you know, and she says, I tried to tell you that, I tried to tell you that, I'm just telling you, listen, in this life, there are going to be moments of difficulties, even knowing Christ, even having received Christ, there's going to be moments of difficulties, but I can tell you this, that God is going to be with you, listen, you're going to have difficulties, you want to do it on your own, by yourself, or would you rather have the God who created all the heavens and all the earth be there with you, standing with you to go through it all? Let me give you these two statements, and then we're going to pray. And, and the first one is this, that Satan cannot undo the greatest of all miracles. He cannot reverse the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says, had he known what God had planned, the prince, he would have never crucified the king of glory. If he had known that Christ was going to plunder the kingdom of darkness, if he had known, he would have never crucified him. But God hid it from the foundation of the world. And the second statement that is that Satan can't undo it, nor can Satan remove the great miracle worker off the throne of the universe. He cannot plunder. He's not going to walk into heaven and say, all right, it's my turn to get on the throne. No, the Bible says there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're either going to do it now of your own accord and receive Christ into your life or you will do it in the end and you will stand before him and kneel before a holy God. But it will not be to enter into his presence of grace and glory. It will be for eternity and all damnation and punishment. I want to say to you who are ready to receive Christ, Christ 
is alive. He has arisen from the dead. This is your Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to pray right now. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. If you're in this place or if you're watching by way of the internet, if you've never surrendered your life, you never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never said, God, I'm tired of trying to direct and control my life. God, I need you. I cannot save myself. I've tried to do better. I've tried my own workings. None of it works. And you say, God, I'm ready to surrender. Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to surrender my life to you. Would you come and let us pray for you right now? Can they do their song? Can they do this? Is there anyone here you want to receive Christ into your life? You want us to pray for you. If not, then I recognize that everyone here, you know where you stand with God. I'm going to do something a little bit different here at the close. Brother Roy, would you and Elena come and minister in your song this morning? We're going to do it earlier. And I just felt like at the end, as a celebration, they're coming to sing a song to celebrate Jesus and what he's done for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. For on him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Once I was lost, it says that redemption. Jesus came down to bring me salvation, lifted me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time Things 
Joy floods my soul, for Jesus has saved me. Freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. He gave his blood to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him. Now I belong, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, church, stand to your feet. Let's praise him. Can you sing that chorus again? Sing it again. Sing it again. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity, for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Thank you for that message. Now I belong to Jesus. Now and eternity. Because of the resurrection, we can, we can say that. Because of the resurrection, we can sing that with confidence. Oh, Father, that your church would become so enamored and empowered with that message that Christ arose. He is alive to bring hope and change to those who are filled with sorrow and despair. Let us be used to go forth and tell the good news of a risen Lord. How many of you today are going to be with family or friends this Easter day for a meal or get together that are not with the Lord? Let me see your hands. There's a number of you. I want, to, I want us to pray for you. Is that all right? I want us to pray for you. Raise your hands up again if you can. Just hold it up for a second. Church, look around. I want you to see. Look, there's one back there, one here, some right here, one right here. If you see someone with their hand raised, would you stretch your hand towards them? Or just, if you're standing right by them, put your hand right there and just, and just pray for them right now. You know, 
I just believe that Resurrection Day can be a day of bringing back that which was broken and making it whole. Father, we lift these who have raised their hands. And we know that their hearts are filled with joy, that God, their lives have been changed by the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. But at the same time, our hearts are often heavy because our loved ones do not know him. God, we pray for a special anointing, a special opportunity this day that they may be able to plant a seed or they may be able to speak openly of the good news that comes through Christ and his resurrection. Let them know they're not going just for a meal or for a visit. It's a divine encounter on your timeline. And let them know Holy Spirit is with them. They may be thinking, what will I say? What should I say? Your word says, don't worry for in the hour that you need. I will give you the words to speak. Let them be at peace and be at rest concerning that. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, Father, I release these people in your glorious name of your son, Jesus. Let them go into this world carrying the good news that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We pray in his holy name. Amen and amen. If you need special prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night.